0: I'm glad to see you this morning, I'm glad you've made it. I'm especially glad you've made it, and I'll tell you why. Uh, a few days ago, I was riding in the car back from Fort Worth, and I just had my youngest with me, just had Parker. Now, usually if I got one boy, I had the other, but for some reason this evening, I just had just a had little one. And uh, I don't know, remember what we were talking about, but somehow the conversation drifted towards what are you going to be when you grow up? Now, I love asking my boys this. I love it because it changes all the time and the creative answers I get. I love Peyton's been telling me he's going to be an inventor and a hunter. I love that. I don't know how we're going to combine them, but I'll take it. Um, but uh, Parker, you know, he's um, changing his mind a lot, doing different things. But I kind of want to know what passions there are and what he's thinking about. So I said, I said what are you going to be when you grow up? And he thought about it and he said, I said, man. He said, a policeman. He didn't say a policeman. Policeman. I said, all right, hopefully you can learn to say your L's before you become a policeman. But no, he's going to grow and be a policeman. Uh, and he wants to help people. And then I decided to have a little fun with him. I decided to lay it on thick. I said, now, Parker, don't you want to be just like your daddy when you grow up? And don't you want to be a preacher? And without hesitation, the boy said, nope. I mean, he didn't even give it two seconds thought, and nope, not going to do that. You know, I tried to guilt him into saying it, but he didn't. And actually, I, I did that for a reason because, and I tell my boys this I said, you had better not be a preacher just because daddy is. It had better be God saying it to you, and so clearly, I mean, it is obvious for you if you're going to take that route. You don't need to be because daddy is. And because I tell them, and I remind them sometimes that. Actually, preaching, I don't know if you know this, but being a pastor, you want to stand up and preach God's words is a very dangerous profession. Did you know that? It's extr- I, think it's, I think it's the most dangerous profession there is. You guys, Why are y'all laughing at me? Y'all just think I work one day a week and all this? No, it's a, it's a dangerous profession. Here's why. Here's what I've learned over 15 years of standing up in front of people and talking. That if you get up and you preach to people and you come out of God's word about what you should do, you can just about be guaranteed that the enemy is going to attack you on that during the next days. I mean, I, just, I have seen it too many times that I've studied in a pulpit and, and talked about living in a certain way for Christ, and I want to try to do the same thing and be at the same example, and without fail, it seems like, that that next week is going to be the toughest week I've had in doing that thing in a long time. Now, I know I'm not the only one who can be spiritually attacked. I'm not trying to say that. Because I know some of you, when you—it's the same for you. When you commit to do something for God, when you're obedient to God, you are inviting the attack of the enemy. Because he doesn't like you growing in the Lord. The enemy likes you stagnant in the same place and right there in your comfort zone because you're not growing. So when you commit to work for the Lord, you can just take it to the bank. The spiritual attack is coming. Now I'm going to tell you how that hit me this week. Last Sunday, if you're here. You remember we talked about faith and expectation, not just faith—believing that God can do all things—but expectation, believing that God will do all things. That that He's already laid out all the blessings and the spiritual gifts, and just and just knowing with confidence that God is going to move. Man, I got fired up last Sunday. I was—I mean, just the Lord was speaking to me. And some of you walked out says that you know God had really spoken to you during the message. He was working on my heart. And I loved I saw many of you this this attitude, this excitement to go out from here and live with faith and expectation. Just believing God is gonna meet that need. And I left here too last Sunday, man. I was just ready to go. I want to get out. I said to myself, I am gonna have a week just filled with expectation. I'm just gonna have faith. And I'm gonna believe God is gonna show up and is gonna meet needs. And just I said, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be full of faith and expectation. So ask me how I did this week. Terrible! Okay, I don't know how you did, but man, I stank it up, okay? I'm just going to be honest. Because I I said, I left here, I'm going to have so much faith and expectation, and I'm just going to be fully honest with you this morning. I came in, I felt like I was dragging myself across the finish line to get here to church this morning. It's like I'm bloodied and beat up and broken. I mean, it's like, my expectation went from here to way down here. I mean, I messed it up every which way, I tell you. Let me tell you how this happened. Now, understandably so for a lot of you that this part of the week, Sunday morning service, gets a lot of my attention. You know, this is where I get to use my spiritual gifts, and this is where I get to see you, and God does amazing things when we come together to church. So I get so focused on Sunday mornings, I get looking forward to it. And so when I left last Sunday, I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm just going to go ahead and to stand in faith and expectation that next sunday this morning i said i mean god's gonna do all kinds of mighty things i'm just gonna believe it and there's gonna be all kinds of people and there's gonna be all the kinds. i mean i just was one after another i mean i was just so firm and it wasn't but in probably two hours after church when i get the first text of, of many during the week uh pastor greg just letting you know i'm gonna be out next sunday and I got the first one I said, well, okay, you know, people travel and there's things going on. Okay, well, we'll, we'll miss you. And I'm going to tell you this, friends. I, I want you to know, when I find out somebody's going to miss, you know, because they're traveling or there's this and that, I, I don't like it. Now, I don't, that's not about me, because I just think God can do awesome things. I'm kind of like, every time I hear somebody's going to miss, even when it's a planned thing, I kind of get, oh, man, that's one less person who gets just to see what God's going to do. I mean, I just, that's what's in my heart every time that happens. And it just seemed like every day this week, I mean, I kept hearing from so-and-so was, oh, don't forget we're going out of town this week. Oh, I've got to go see my grandkids, Uh, you know, they're doing this special thing over here. Or um, the sicknesses, I heard there's so many people with the the junk and the cough and, you know. And the week went on, I kept hearing just one after uh, another of saying, I'm going to be out this Sunday. I mean last night i was really wondering if it was gonna be me and donald bennett this morning showing up like where does the two of us have in church right well priscilla you probably would have come to church. she would have she said yes so, no i'm not i that's i'm being jokey but i mean i was going man it's listening you know, one after another and the enemy was just hitting me because it's like one after another and it wasn't somebody calling me and saying hey greg you big jerk i'm leaving the church or anything like that it was just saying i'm gonna be out i'm gonna be out i'm gonna be out and And just that that expectation level of going, wow, I can't wait. It's just the enemy was using that on me. This is how he was using it to me. I know this doesn't apply to everybody else, but one after another, the enemy was just hitting me with, oh, another. It's just another person I love who won't be able to be a part of what we're doing this Sunday. And this again and again and again and again. And it just, oh, it got me down. And I just... Frankly, it was nobody's fault but my own that I went from this faith and expectation and I walked here telling all of you, let's live with expectation, to me just going through the weekend, just going down and down and down. Maybe you did great this week. Maybe you started last Sunday going, I'm going to have expectation, I'm going to have faith, and God's going to do this, and you stayed strong all week long. Maybe you did. But maybe you struggled in a way too. Maybe it's, I'm sure it's different than mine. But maybe you struggled keeping that faith and expectation at such a high level of what knowing God's going to do. The world hit. The enemy attacked. And I'm going to tell you the example of one who just let it get to me. Now, I don't want to discourage any of you because you, y'all are sitting here this morning and says, well, what are we? Chopped liver? We're here, you know. I don't know. I love, I'm so glad you're here. And and the Lord has done some awesome things this morning. I'm going to tell you about it in a little bit. Just, just in my own heart, just a reminder. But the enemy used that attack on me, friends. Oh, He did. And I, so I wasn't a great example this week of living just in the faith and expectation of God. But you know what? God can even use that. He's using it in my heart, in my life. Because not only has He helped get, this morning get me back in the right place, He's given me some awesome reminders of what to do when we face the attack, when those things come against us that just naturally cause us to lower our faith and our expectation. And what God can do. So this morning's message this morning's about is called "Obstacles of Expectation." The things that get in our way, the what we're going to come against, the things we allow to happen in our life, the what we put around us—that is going to lower that awesome attitude of just believing God is going to do this, do a work, and having faith. One of the things that we allow to happen—they're just like cutting our legs out from underneath us. It's going to to weaken that faith and our ability just to have awesome expectation of what God is going to do. So again, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself a reminder of what God has told us about how to keep high faith, high expectations. I want to share this with you because maybe you got beat up this week too and need to hear this. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Let's look at scripture this morning together. I love this passage. says this, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Did you hear that phrase? With the full assurance, that expectation that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly Now I love those verses this morning, and I want to. The highlight of those verses is this being reminded of the obstacles of expectation. I think we, we see in this passage a reminder of what gets in our way of having just this this high faith in God. Now you remember how the verse started. And I used a lot of big, you know, huge words. It said that therefore we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, uh, the new and living way opened through the curtain of the. By, which is his body, all this stuff. You know what that's saying? And let's just simplify it. Because you are a Christian, because you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you can have confidence to draw near to God, to stand in the presence of God. That's what it's telling us. That, well, once you have been saved, you have had that gap bridged between you and a holy God, and you can go be in his presence and receive his blessings that's why i, I love how it tells us it says let us draw near to god and it tells us with full assurance that faith brings let us draw near to god with the full assurance that we can enter his presence that we can bring our request before god that he knows us he sees us he cares for us that's living in expectation It's saying that we have the confidence to go before a holy God. Why? Because we have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And living in faith and expectation is one where you can just boldly go before the throne of God and and take all things to Him with confidence that He's going to pour out His promises and that He is true and faithful in what He said. That's what we talked about last week, this living in expectation, knowing that God is going to meet a need. But as I'm telling you, as you may have seen this morning, as you read, there are obstacles that get in the way. There are things that we allow happen, much less the attack of the enemy, to come against us that just cut down that faith and expectation. There are obstacles of expectations. There are going to be three of them I want to look at this morning. The first one is this. Sustaining... The sinful. What do I mean by sustaining the sinful? I want you to hear again in this verse real quick. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. So what, is, what do these verses tell us? It's saying that when we come before God and we're staying in a sinful attitude, we are hurting that relationship between us and God. Imagine like this. You ever heard of a clean room? They use these in medical things and technology. These are rooms set up that you cannot bring one microbe in with. You can't bring any germ, any, any bug, anything like that. you have to be completely clean. And you've got to go through all the process of being fully clean and washed and, and having stuff on you that you can go into the clean room. Because one tiny little, even a speck of dust can damage what they're, they're working on in those places. Imagine God like that. Imagine God is in the, the most awesome, the most pure clean room ever. And you walk in there with mud on your feet. See when God sits, God sits in holiness and in perfection. That doesn't change. That never changes. That God does. You know, He He sits in the purest, most sinless place ever. And we want to come in, dirty and unclean. Now, here's what I'm saying. I don't want you to think that that I'm getting on you because if you ever sin, that you lose the presence of God. No, I'm not talking about that. What this verse is telling us is. There's an understanding that we all sin, that we all mess up, we all fall short of the glory of God. We know this, and when that sin does happen, I mean, it's even—it's not good, but it's understandable. If I were to tell you I I, I messed up in this way this week, I spoke a, a improper word, I did a sinful action, you would understand because you do the same. What this is talking about is not that that once in here slip and sin. It's talking about the one who tries to continually live in the filth of sin and come in to God's presence. It says that you are to draw near to God with a what? With a sincere heart and a clean conscience. A sincere heart and a clean conscience. That means when we come into God's presence, we can't be playing games. Because guess what, even if no one else knows the things you have done, the things you have thought or the things you have said, God knows it. And you can come in here looking in the most pious and holy and perfect, but God still knows if your heart's right. Now here's the awesome thing. If you come in this place, if you come and draw near to God and you've got all kinds of dirt all over you, God's grace and mercy is still strong enough for those things. He still meets you in those things he's to forgive you but if you come without a sincerity of okay i've done wrong and i don't want to come into the presence of god just bringing all this dirt all with me you're going to lower your faith and expectation of god because why because you're missing out on the presence of god because you're trying to drag all the dirt into god's presence and it doesn't work it's like oil and water it's not going to mix So it says when you draw near to God, when you have the full assurance to come before God, you have to do so with a sincere heart. How do you do that? You know if you've done that. That does not come in and says, okay, God, here's my list of sins this week. One, two, three, four, five. Forgive me. All right, we're good. Now here's my stuff. It's not what we're talking about. It's saying that I'm going to draw near to you, God, and I'm going to do it with Sincerity. I'm going to come in, I'm going to ask you, God, reveal what's in my heart. Show it to me. God, if there's something to be confessed, show it to me. I want to confess it to you. It's kind of like this when we have the Lord's Supper. What do we always say? Don't come casually to the table, do we? We don't say just, uh, whoever feels like it. It doesn't matter what's been going on. We say, because Scripture tells, examine yourself before you come to the table. How often are we drawing near to the presence of God, whether it's in this place, whether it's in your private time of worship, whether it's in a small group? How many times are we drawing near to the presence of God with a sincere heart? A lot of times it's it's so much easier to put on a show. I'm doing good. I've lived right. Oh, yeah, I may have sinned, but not that bad. Drawing near to God with a sincere heart and a clean conscience, it tells us. When we are sustaining the sinful, when we're keeping that sinful attitude on us with no desire to bring it before God, no uh, no desire to be free from it, how are we going to hold on to a high faith and expectation? How are we going to continue in a close relationship with God if we're just trying to drag all the dirt into presence with us? It doesn't work that way, friends have confidence, have high expectations. You can go into the presence of God, experience His power in your life, but you can't do it while you're sustaining the sinful stuff. You've got to come in with a clean conscience, a sincere heart with what He has before you. Just come in and confessing. Just be open, willing for God to work on your heart as you draw near to Him. You can't fake God. You don't pull a trick play on Him. You don't say, hey God, look over there, and you go this way. doesn't work. God knows what's up. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what's been done. If you want to have a close relationship with God, sustaining the sinful is the first obstacle that's going to get in your way from it happening. Let's look at the second one. Number two is this. Dealing with doubts. It's an obstacle of expectation. Dealing with doubts. Now, some of you are going to struggle with this because you say, I have doubts. Does that mean I can't be in the presence of God and I can't? my faith is weakened? No. No not what i'm saying verse 22 uh, verse 23 of the scripture this morning said this let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful let us hold unswervingly. i love that word unswervingly that's a good word In fact it's even better in the original language in the greek it means this it doesn't mean just unswervingly uh, it means this it's to actually to repress uh, uh, restrain or to actually to hold back something that could have power over you did you hear me that's what the word means in english we might translate it on or hold fast and that's part of it i mean it's kind of stay the course persevere but there's more to it it is restraining suppressing holding back something that could have an influence over you, basically to veer you off path. You with me? It's the same word God uses, the Bible uses to say that God's holding back, repressing the, so the evil, the enemy, right? And that what talks about the Bible is doing, that, it's this word. He is restraining. Because what doubts do, friends, doubts, if you allow them, they will come and put influence on you. It is a favorite tool of the enemy, friends. It is a favorite tool to put a doubt on you that's going to make you veer off this way. So what happens when we have doubts? Because all of us do from time to time. There's not a one of us here who could this morning say, I've never struggled with a doubt. I've never struggled with understanding a certain nature, aspect of God's will, or a Bible passage, understanding how is that possible? Why would God allow this? Friends, the, um, the best giants of the faith have had doubts at times because we're l- working with a limited human mind and trying to understand the Almighty. So when a doubt creeps up on you, what are you supposed to do with it? You have to answer it with faith. You have to say, I'm okay with, I, I don't have the answer. I still have faith in who God is and over this promise. When you come to a Bible passage, you read this. I I know some people struggle with something in the Old Testament that says, how could a loving God allow these kind of things? Now, one response is to say, well, I doubt there could be a loving God if he he did this, So, because my view must be right. I'm going to swerve off course. I'm going to go over here, and I'm not going to worship that God anymore. And there's another who says, you know what? I'm struggling. I don't understand, but yet still I will have faith in God. Friends, you don't have all the answers, neither do I, and that's okay. It's okay that we don't have an answer to every question, don't understand all the mysteries of God. When something comes upon you and it's a doubt, you have to respond with faith and saying, It's okay, I don't know the answer. I'm going to trust what I'm told. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to read in Scripture. I'm going to believe it's God's Word. Because you're accepting it by faith. Now, here's what God does that's so awesome, friends. I love that when God takes a doubt and you... You meet it with faith and saying, I don't have an answer. I'm not going to try to have an answer, but yet I will still have faith. God in his wisdom and in his time begins to reveal some of the truth behind those things. And how this thing that you can't comprehend, he can a lot of times come behind you and slowly show you how it makes sense. There have been Bible passages that I have literally prayed over for years before I could stand up and preach on it or teach on it. Because I struggled with the meaning. Or why God would work in a certain way. But I didn't say, I'm going to discount this Bible passage as true. I'm not going to doubt God. I'm going to meet with faith, and I'll trust God in His time and His way. He'll reveal an understanding behind it. And He has done so many times. But when you are dealing with doubts, meaning you're wrestling with them, you're letting them stay on you, what's happening? You are swerving off course. Let's say, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Listen, for he who promised is faithful. I know doubts can come. I know somebody will question you about your faith, your beliefs, your actions, and that, that work of the enemy just wants to whisper in your ear and say, see, that's not the way it works that's foolish to believe in those things to think those things you have to meet that with faith trust god to provide the answer in his time and his way when you deal with doubts when you let them settle on you it is the enemy at work it is pushing you off course and it is going to be that faith is just going to be lowered that expectation is going to be lowered you're going to just be locked in the doubts and that's exactly where the enemy wants you friends The last one is this, and I think this is so highly important. So when we're obstacle to expectation, when obstacle is sustaining the sinful, dealing with doubts, what's the third one? It's this, forsaking the fellowship. Forsaking the fellowship. I want you to notice this was set in this reminder of the importance of gathering together as a church body. Now, friends, I want you to hear me about this because I don't want you to go to your friend or neighbor who wasn't here today because they were sick or out of town or had another commitment, and say, oh, Brother Greg, he got on to you. He likes us better because we showed up today and you didn't. Don't do that. You're going to get me a bunch of angry letters, okay? That's not what it's on. Listen to what it says. It says, uh, do not give up meeting together, as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another day. Listen to this, friends. I'm not going to get into... You know God's perfect attendance record kind of thing. Like you know, make God's only happy with you if you're there every time the church doors are opened. Or you know, you're allowed to miss. You know, when I was in college, you were said you could miss ten percent or eight percent of the, of the classes and still pass. And I mean, I I met that line every single time. I like it. I missed as much as I could so I could still pass. That's not the way God's working. What we're being told is don't get in the habit of forsaking the fellowship. There's so many people who just. It's the excuses. I know there are those homebound. I know there's all kinds of other things. And there's still ways to join in in the fellowship. But the habit of just saying, I really don't have time for this. Friends, some of you have the personal testimonies of those times. Where you let life get ahead of you. And you forsook the fellowship of the body of Christ. And you know it hurts you. We're called to come together because guess what when we come together we're encouraged and our faith is increased i mentioned this to our uh to my small group this week we were talking about some of these things and i was telling them about a toy i remember when i was growing up used to have like most kids even my boys some day the little hot wheel cars and one of the christmas they came out with a new toy that was a new accessory for the hot wheel cars it was a track and you could, you know, put your car on the track and it'd go around. And you put your car in the little starting gate and it had a little wheel on the bottom of this track and it would, it would spin and go boom, and spin that car out. And that car would, all around the track and then it would kind of slow down and it just had just enough speed to get back in the starting gate. And then it would, zoom, you know, back out and over and over and over go. Friends, that's a good illustration of what some of us are like when we come together. I told you this morning, I mean, I was worn out, encouraged out, everything. We, I mean, it had been a week of just the enemy getting on me. We had, plus, we, we did a garage sale this weekend. I mean, we are I'm physically tired, behind and getting some things done, just numerous things. I mean, I walked in to church this morning, just, you know, dragging my leg behind me. I'm here. I'm barely here, but I'm here. And I came, I'm a you got to hear from me. I came in struggling this morning. But you know what? I sat down. I got my little cup of coffee and started praying. And I was struggling through, oh, God, what do you have for us today? And what are you going to do? And God started working. He started speaking. And guess what? My engine was going. I felt it spinning. It's gone. It's gone. I'm ready to go. I love it. You know, sometimes I need that. Now, my aim is not to be limping across the finish line every time I come to church. I want to come with some energy, but sometimes we come and we just say, I just got beat up and worn out since the last time I was here, but I'm coming back because I'm going to get revved up to go again. And sometimes, sometimes that's what we need. And when we forsake the fellowship, when we get in the, in the habit of of staying away from the body of Christ and all its forms and opportunities to come together. We're just draining that energy. And and that faith just goes down, and our expectations just go down when we get in the habit of forsaking the fellowship. I know some of you understand exactly what I'm talking about. You come in here and it's just been a tough week. And if you come in with sincere hearts. Clean, if you come in with a desire to, to draw close to God, if you have a desire to come in and just renew your faith, just to be in His presence, you'll walk out of here. Just, I mean ready to go. I mean it's just, you got that, that shot in your arm. Let's go. And that's awesome. That's one of the reasons we're come, to come in here. But friends, I want you also to hear this, when we forsake the fellowship, we're also missing something else. We're missing the encouragement of one another. In fact, this is really important whether you're here or you're not here. Because I want to remind you, it says when we come together, when we come as the body of Christ, how are we supposed to be? It says, encourage one another. It says, look for ways you can spur one another on to do good deeds. To work for the Lord. Encourage one another. That means that when you come into the fellowship, if all of you will be looking for ways to encourage another person, then we're all going to get encouraged. If we're all looking to come in here and complain and to gossip and to anything else, then we're going to hurt it. If we come in here seeking God and looking out for another person, say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to encourage that person right there. I'm going to encourage them. I mean, they're not going to know what hit them. They're going to get encouraged so good. Watch out. Awesome things that. What if we all carried that attitude? You say, "Well, you mean I can't ever share a complaint or an issue?" You know what? We can share concerns. You ever have something happen? You're concerned. You may be, you know, uneasy about it. You can do that in the church. We're church family. Guess what? We step on each other's toes sometimes. We're a body of Christ, and and all the parts got their own issues and illnesses and whatever. I know that not everything's just perfect. But you know what? You can share an issue. You can even go to somebody who uh, you got a broken relationship with or bring a care or concern, but you can even do so in an encouraging way. You know, you can go build somebody up and talk to them and show your love to them and then say, can, can I, would you let me share with, with my heart? Let's have a conversation about it. Instead, what do we often do? Let me come in and just beat you over the head. Friends, we're to not forsake the fellowship, but when we come to the fellowship, what do we need to be? Encouragers. Even in the challenging stuff. I don't, I'm not saying we walk around with a big fake smile on our face all the time and never have any, you know, never deal with hard issues. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we deal so in an encouraging way. We let God lead us to build up the body. Yeah, sometimes what you have to say can be tough things, challenging things. I love when somebody brings something challenging to me. It's not fun, but it's, it's good, and I need that but when it's brought in an encouraging way as well. When when somebody comes and says something to me and says, even if it's not a a joyful thing to hear, but they come with an attitude of, I want you to know I still love you, and I appreciate you, but let's talk about this. That's great. I I walk out of there stronger and better. And if I go and look for somebody, I want to encourage you. Okay, maybe we need to talk about something. Maybe we need to get something fixed. But I want to encourage you as I do it. What's that going to do? That's going to rev up that engine for the Lord. And when we get in the habit of forsaking being in the fellowship, or get in the habit of just not being encouragers, we think when, you think you're doing damage to another person? You are, but you're really doing more damage to yourself. Because guess what? When you stop being an encourager to somebody else, you're not going to really get much encouragement back. You say, I wish more people would express appreciation to me, make me feel better. and say, Give it. See what you get back. So what if we would come into this place, into the fellowship of God, with a heart of seeking to encourage one another? With a heart that says, you know what? i am dealing with some tough questions, and yes, even some doubts, and I don't know how to answer this, but I'm going to come because I have faith in God, and he said to show up, And I'm going to believe that his word is from his mouth. And I'm going to believe it even when it doesn't make sense. But I'm going to have faith. Because I'm going to have high expectations. And I'm going to make sure that I'm not trying to put on a show and just drag junk into God's presence and think that I fooled him and everybody else. But I'm going to come with a sincere heart and a clean conscience. That I'm going to come seek God and I'm going to make sure I'm asking him, have I come for the right reasons? God, do I need to deal with some business before I come into your presence? We carry that kind of attitude. We're getting rid of the obstacles in our way of keeping a high faith and expectation. Because let me tell you, friends, from a personal example, the enemy wants to just to knock your faith down. You just be ready. You go out from here this week and you say, I'm just going to believe in what God has said and his promises that are true. And I'm just gonna, I am to—I know he's going to fill the need. And I, I'm not going to worry about how and when. But I'm just going to believe and I'm going to have faith and all these things we talked about. You do that and I promise you the enemy is coming. I don't say that to scare you. I tell you to be ready. And when the enemy comes and tries to put the doubts on you, when he tries to tell you it's okay to stay in the sinful thing. When he tries to tell you you don't need to worry about the fellowship of God. When he tries to put all that stuff on you. When the, when the enemy is striking you say, uh-uh. I know. I expected it to come. I'm watching. I'm armoring up i got the armor of God on me. He's not going to get me. I'm going to go do it. And I'm going to be racing back to church the next time i got to be with the body of Christ. Whether it's here or in a Bible study or a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning or whenever. I'm coming to the the church and I'm going to come enjoy the fellowship. And I'm going to encourage somebody. And I'm going to trust God's going to encourage me. And I'm going to draw close to God. And watch what happens. I'm going to keep that engine revved up ready to do the work of god i I started the message morning by saying you know kind of giving examples how i was hearing all week long of so-and-so be out and that and i understand you know listen that that, those things happen kind of hit a fluky sunday where it just came kind of fast and furious i don't want you to understand me so i'm very clear i'm not knocking on anybody who you know sick or had to go somewhere else. That's, that's you know, that's not my position, friends. I'm not trying to make you think at all. But I want you to think about this. How can we encourage somebody? How can you encourage somebody that's here today? How can you encourage somebody that's not here today? he's maybe the only Sunday of the year they miss. It doesn't matter. Encourage them. I love you, missed you. It's okay. You were you're with your family over there and the church with them. Great. I hope you had a good time. We missed you. Love you. Encourage them. Don't forsake the fellowship. I'm so glad you're here. It gets me jumping. I mean, I'm I, I love it. And if you miss, it's it's I just I'm just sad that you're missing what God has planned for this place today. He's got other things planned in other places, but I just I love what God's doing here, and I want you a part of it. If I don't tell you enough, I love each and every one of you more than you know. We couldn't be the church if all you weren't here. The church is not one person. It's not one man, one woman, one pastor. It's you guys. And I may get to be the one who stands up here and talk and open God's word. But that's where it's happening. Right here. God bless you. And I love you. Let's get revved up with faith and expectation for what God's going to do this week. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we come in your house excited for what you have for us. God, I want to pray for those who aren't here this morning. It's a myriad of reasons, God, and that's not a place in judgment. It's like we know some are with loved ones in other churches, some are sick, and God, that's not the focus. But I want to pray for our entire church family, whether they're present here or other places. God, I thank you for each man, woman, boy, and girl that you have called to make this church home. God, I pray that every single person you have called to be in this place knows how much they're needed. God, you have a place and a purpose for them. God, and some of those people today need encouragement. We need encouragement. God, let's get excited by being the church. God, we thank you for all these people. God, we also call and we also ask and seek with faith and expectation, God, bring more. Make more of, God, I want more people here. I don't want it so that I can step out and say, look how many people are coming to my church. No, God, I want it because I just want more people to experience your plans for this place. God, that's what I want. God, I want you to bring them in. And I want them to be so encouraged for every second they're in this place. God, they walk out, they can't even stand up straight. God, they just got so overwhelmed with encouragement and love. And God, that you would show them there's a place of service and a need here. God, rev us up to do what you have us called to do. Because there is every single one of us in here, you have have put something, a call, a plan on us, a work to do, something we're uniquely equipped to do in this place. God, help us, teach us not to take up what somebody else is. God, God, suppress me or restrain me. God, if I would try to work in somebody else's, take over somebody else's thing that you've called them to do, God, raise them up. Encourage them. Show them the work you ha- have for them. God, thank you for reminding us that of the, some of the things that get in the way of our faith and expectation. God, even if some of us, just like myself, came in beat up this morning, a little worn out weary. Thank you for overtaking and just encouraging God, let us have confidence, expectation as we come to your presence. God, don't let us try to put on a show or come with insincere hearts. God, but let us come before you earnestly, honestly, seeking you. God, help us know your promises. That when you say it in your word, this is true, let us know it is true. Let not the doubt overtake us. Even when we can't see it and we can't understand it, God, give us our faith to trust in your promises. Because every word you have spoken is true. And let us be ready and equipped for your work, your purposes, your plan. Without a doubt, In our mind, without an ounce of fear or anxiety, over whether or not you'll take care of us as we work in what you've called us to do. Let us have faith in your provisions. Let us have boldness to do what you have. Keep us humble enough so that when we need to change or to let go, God will do so. I we thank you, we love you for all these things. And so many more. God bless us this morning. Speak to us, instruct us, move us to respond in accordance with your will. We ask this by Jesus' mighty name. Amen.